Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are two of the world's most iconic, influential, and inspiring musicians working today. Originally from Australia, Nick Cave has altered the chorus of rock and roll and invented a new kind of leading man in bands like The Birthday Party and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. His countryman, Warren Ellis, is a gifted and daring multi-instrumentalist renowned for his work in The Dirty Three, and he joined Cave as a member of The Bad Seeds in the mid-1990s. The pair have become close collaborators in their band and have also composed riveting and acclaimed scores and soundtracks for theatrical productions and feature films like The Proposition, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, The Road, Hell or High Water, and most recently, War Machine and Django. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds dispatched a gorgeous and well-received album called Skeleton Tree in the fall of 2016. And in May of 2017, Mute Records released a comprehensive retrospective called Lovely Creatures, The Best of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, 1984 to 2014, and the band has been touring behind these efforts as of late. This brings me to this episode. When the Bad Seeds announced two shows at Toronto's Massey Hall on May 31st and June 1st, I realized I couldn't attend either one because my wife had a business trip scheduled, and so I was just going to stay home and take care of our young kids. But then she suddenly had to cancel her trip, so I made a successful last-ditch effort to get a ticket to the first Bad Seed show, and I went to the show, and it was amazingly intense and exhilarating. And while I was there, I, I ran into the band's publicist in Canada, and I asked her if she thought Warren might chat with me the next day, because Nick wasn't doing any interviews on this trip, and, I, I, and I'm a huge fan of Warren, so I said... Do you think Warren might uh, want to talk the next day? Warren said yes, so I drove to Toronto to meet him in the restaurant of a Toronto hotel, and we just started talking. Five minutes later, Nick showed up, and so the three of us shared my two microphones for a very impromptu chat about their history as friends and colleagues, how Warren wound up in the bad seeds, 
how they work together and their relationships with melody and noise, Nick's relationship with his audience, recording their record Skeleton Tree and their upcoming plans, and also much more. Oh, and then I was also invited to attend the second Bad Seed show, and it was also incredible. And then after the show, Nick and I chatted some more, and he couldn't have been a more gracious and generous person to me. It was truly a day and night that I will never forget. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, this is Warren Ellis and eventually also Nick Cave on the 323rd episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Warren, thank you so much for being on My this pleasure. show. It's My nice, pleasure. nice to have you here. Now you, nice to meet you again. We're at a luxurious hotel in Toronto. We are. The, the future Dalai Lama is staying here. He was using the lift yesterday. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, with about five bodyguards with earpieces and, and uh, yeah. Did you converse with the future Dalai Lama? Oh, my friend did. What did, you, what did they talk about? Uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't privy to that. But, um, yeah, he's, he, I mean, he was in here yesterday. Okay. So it's, it, that's the level of luxury that you're living in here in Toronto. Well, oh, that's the level of luxury he's living in. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? Are, are you a spiritual person? Or do you? Do you have respect for the Dalai Lama? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like we need to grab as much as we can these days. It does given seem that, that way. Donald Trump's pulling out of the Paris Agreement? I mean, that's you know, today. It, it, feels like we need everything on our side that we can grab um, like whatever it takes it doesn't feel like we have many um, cards up our sleeves anymore I just had Becky Foon on this show oh, uh, right, okay. from Saltland and we talked uh, a little bit about your involvement in a concert yeah. uh, and she mentioned you collaborated with Flea I did yeah I, I, uh, I did a show um, it was a Pathway to Paris show yeah. and um, Flea and I have have been um, friends for quite a long time, actually, but um, the oddest kind of bedmates in a way, you know, uh, from very different worlds. And but but um, he ha- I have this continued uh, musical dialogue with him. He, he has the most fantastic. Um, he's, he's such an extraordinary musician, but he's he's also so well versed in in, in in fabulous music and and we have this continuing dialogue in much the same way I have with Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream we have this continued dialogue that has gone on for 25 years hmm. I, I originally met Bobby selling speed to him in Australia in, in the early 90s and then it developed into this friendship that that um, 
Yeah, it became very much about a musical uh, kind of adventure. And, and Flea, is, it's the same. Like I have this, there's a few people I have these dialogues with, musical dialogues. And, and um, Flea was doing this show, Pathway to Paris, organised by uh, Rebecca and, and uh, Jesse Paris Smith, mm-hmm. Patty Smith's uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he just called me and I was uh, recording a mass for a, a requiem for a Django Reinhardt film. And I was in the in the studio recording the strings or something or the choir, and uh, he's like, "I'm doing a show. Do you want to come in and play?" It's Pathways to Paris, uh, the the Climate Summit, right? And um, and I said, "Sure." And we'd never done that before, and we just kind of went in and and um, had a sound check, and then played for like 15 minutes, and it was just one of the greatest 15 minutes of my life. Really? Yeah, it was it was phenomenal, um, and we want to go out and. Like, he's out on tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the moment. I'm out with the Bad Seas. But we always talk about this kind of idea of jumping in a van and doing a kind of club tour of this thing because um, it's this extraordinary thing with... Not to undermine the importance of the event, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because it was really... uh, The the whole concert and thing, uh, you know, um, it's a really important issue, but... Beyond that, the, the, the kind of idea of, of musically c- collaborating with people, particularly from, from very different worlds, uh, is, is much more appealing to me um, these days. Um, I just collaborated rich, with Richard Russell from XL Records. We, we, we did a, a track together after meeting at African Express, and I've been playing with a band from Kinshasa called Jupiter. Hmm. So it's... it's and that, that was actually something that wasn't particularly appealing to me um, when I was younger but now that I'm older G'day Nick Yeah, there's Nick How are you? (laughs) (laughs) You want to come and join us? Oh man (laughs) Hi Nick, how are you? Look at that, Marvis I've never heard of that Hello Hi Nick, how are you? I'm very well It was a remarkable show last night Yeah Thank you for uh, confirming my suspicions. <laughs> it's nice no, to it see you. No, it was really, it was, uh, it was great. Did it stand out for you, actually, on this yeah. tour? Yeah, uh, we're just getting s- started up, and um, <laughs> we're just getting... S- <laughs> uh, we're, yeah, we're just getting started up, and uh, it's going in the right direction, right? Nice, yeah. Well, it was remarkable. That Jubilee Street, in particular, I have to say, that was a remarkable performance of that song. At one point, I believe... You threw your microphone and had a direct hit on the mic stand from like across the stage. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. It was like quarterback <laughs> accuracy. It hit the mic stand and knocked it over. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it was really good. There was some great versions last night. Yeah, I thought From Her to so. Eternity was... I mean, that's the thing, right, Warren? Yeah. It's, um, you never know. And we do... Have you been talking? Yeah, yeah. We've been chatting, yeah. So they're... they're um, even though we're basically sticking to the same set, they're, diff- they're always different versions, and we're pretty much kept, yeah, a cup of coffee things. Um, yeah. Um, kept on our toes, and we do different versions. Yeah, no, it, I, it's remarkable. It was really, truly remarkable. And but I, the, I, the audience were great, you know. Yeah. They, um, and and the, uh, the new stuff is developing, which is great, too. Yeah. The new the new uh, material is developing too, which is great. Like it's since we started in January in Australia, it's already changed from that tour as well, and and it's becoming a 
a very different kind of uh, show. Huh. Can you elaborate upon that? Like, what what is happening to the material that is? Um, there's certain. Out? It just feels like the it's becoming much more. Is it celebratory or something? The material, like, it's a definite kind of a different arc to, like, say when it was recorded, particularly the last album. Like, there's something, and and I, and I keep hearing this from people leaving, saying that they've never been at a show quite like it where they feel like some, they've really experienced something that something's really happened within the show. That, it's a triumphant feeling. Yeah, there's something re- and people aren't expecting that from the show. You know, I think they're expecting it with the album they're expecting it to be. But we're not either. You know, that? it's just happening it's happening organically and it's not it doesn't seem to be uh, something that we're have necessarily been reaching for. It's something to do with the audience really. It's like a circuit has been connected or something and it's just rolling around from us and the audience so it has a lot more uh, it's like the audience are kind of demanding to be a part of the whole thing and it's it's really quite amazing it's not it's not what we're it's you know i said before actually that we come from or at least i come from a different sort of music which is much more confrontational yes the audience of this thing that stands there and is and you kind of subject your music to and that's the that's the world i've come out of really uh, so this is really different this is very different i think you're known for engaging your audiences on some level i mean it's sort of confrontational but you're you touch them you literally yeah. touch them yeah i do touch the audience <laughs> sounds terrible you touch, you touch sounds them. like i go to some old go to prison for saying one day. <laughs> well, you touch them spiritually, I suppose, but you also touch them physically. I mean, that um, seemed to be a, a real marker of I mean, night. I really get... I do get uh, an energy out of that. You know, I mean, quite... Uh, I feel it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the recording process is so solitary, and, you know, this record has a kind of tranquility to it, if you will, but bringing it out, you're saying something's happened to the song. Something's happened to the material... And it's some of the passion has been drawn out of it even further. Is that what you're saying? I think it's uh, it, it always happens when you make a record that you get in and rehearse it, and and certain songs make it through and and work live, and then they develop it. Because most of the time, when you when you record an album, it's the first time that you've ever played the material. Yeah. You're learning yeah. it, so then it develops, and and some they don't develop or they don't work and and i guess the songs that continue to be played are ones that keep reinventing themselves like something from her to eternity you know last night felt like one of the kind of greater versions i've ever played yeah of that song you know and that song i mean you know i heard that song when it first came out in whenever that was last century you know in the in in 83 or whatever yeah, yeah yeah and i heard that and it was so unbelievably like I was so blown away by that song. And then last night to, to play it, like, and have been playing it for 20 years, and then last night the version just sounded like something so incredibly new again, and it keeps, it keeps reconfiguring and reinventing itself, and to find that drama within the song is, is, is really kind of extraordinary. And not all songs do that, you know, they no. don't. But we kind of, um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of shifting that goes on within the band, so people play different instruments, and there's some sort of kind of... Uh, musical chairs that kind of go on sometimes with with uh, within the band and yeah. that puts everyone uh, on their toes and, and approaches the, the song from a from a different point of view. 
Nick, you're someone who values collaboration. I know this about you and your work, and since Warren has been in your life, you two have ventured beyond the band, Bad Seeds. I'm actually curious if you two can talk about this relationship, because I think it's one of the most vital creative ones going right now on the planet, if I, if I might say on the entire planet. <laughs> uh, I was listening to your soundtracks uh, over the last couple of days, uh, the most recent ones, and I it, it's, it's just a magical thing. Can you... Let's start with Warren, actually. When did you first hear of Nick? Uh, of Nick? Um, I guess uh, probably when he appeared uh, um, on the scene. I, I'm a few years younger, but I... I um, oh, not that many. It, it seems a to baby make boy. less and less. Child. It's less and less. I would have. I bet I would have first. <laughs> well, very young. You know, it's almost almost. What is it? Ten years momentum. difference, roughly? Um, probably a bit less. Probably no. It's not quite a decade. No, no. I'm, I could be. Dead <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to say anything, but yeah. Um, but no, it's probably like. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably eight years younger. I, I, but I remember, I guess I would have seen the. There was this TV show countdown, and the boys next door were on it, and the Saints were on it, and there were these kind of odd bands that were yeah. on at the same time as ACDC and David Bowie and stuff like that. So Australian bands. That. These yeah, are Australian well, artists. Australian yeah. bands, but it was a TV show. But then I think when the birthday party appeared, I definitely was aware of them, and I never saw them. I tried to, but I got so drunk, I passed out in the lobby of the venue in Melbourne. You remember me sleeping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to see the last tour, and um, so I didn't really see them until the the uh, first Born is Ted Dead tour. I saw that one. But, you know, Nick was someone who was always on the kind of horizon. Like yeah. He was, uh, quickly became a presence and stuff like that. And I lived with a dealer who used to deal to people, and Nick would come around... Um, sure. Probably don't have to go into those sort of details. <laughs> well, you asked me what I met, but then I think I think officially we, we kind of... We met short at the answers, we met at the dealers. There was like, you know, Johnny Thunders and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and Nick and blah, blah, blah. So there was a certain thing in the 80s going on. Um, Johnny Thunders in Australia had the same dealer as you guys, or was this in the... Yeah. Well, was just, he was like a Nico and stuff. It was like a rock and oh. roll dealer, you know, Mark. And... Um, Nick, he had the kind of sort of presence, you know, like he, he'd come around and then one of the, the women who lived there wouldn't let anybody sit in the chair that he sat in to give you the kind of idea of the, the kind of, you know, credibility. Hey, I've done a lot of interviews and I haven't heard that one. <laughs> I think I might have told you that one. Oh, there we go. Here's a new one. You were awesome. revered as royalty. Yeah. And then yeah. we met, I guess, like in the, uh, in the 90s. Yeah, met in the 90s um, when... 93 or something like that? I guess something like that, yeah, yeah. when we were doing Let Love In. Yeah. I, I met Nick briefly and then he asked me to come in for the Murder Ballads record. Right. Um, I guess in the, the mid-90s, yeah, the 90s or something like that, that's when we met. Nick. I'll do a bit, I can do a more focused answer sure, of that. Sure. I saw Warren with the Dirty Three while we were we were recording um, the Murder Ballads record. Yeah. And I'd never seen the Dirty Three. I didn't even really know about the Dirty Three. I don't think. And they were playing at a pub up the road, and I went down and saw this most incredible performance by these three guys. 
that just completely blew me away and I kind of went back saying, you know, will you be in my band and will you come and play, play with us? Um, which Warren did so a couple of days later. So that was my official proper meeting of, of Warren, although I am told that he actually played on the album before, but I was in no state to oh. have been kind of conscious of that fact. Is that right? Yeah, Apparently, yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. yeah. So we had we, yeah, we had doing, kind of met. I was we playing a string arrangement of the Nick Harvey. Yeah, you're going to have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a coffee. <laughs> I was do, I played on the string arrangement that Mick and I hadn't yeah. read music for a long time. And I met you briefly. You were in a state with um, a bunch of stuff. So anyway, it was it's cloudy. It's cloudy, but um, but but we got on immediately. For me. Uh, I think something had happened within the Bad Seeds for a long time where no, we weren't actually collaborating in the same way as we used to. I basically wrote the songs, pretty much. Occasionally someone else may have some you know, effect in the workings of the songs, but that kind of collaborative process had pretty much finished. So it was a situation where I was just coming into the studio with a bunch of songs. These are the songs, and the band would interpret them and record them. And Warren came in and very early on um, started to play around with the structure of the songs, the chordal structures of the songs, uh, and have some kind of input into the actual songwriting process, um, which I found uh, very pleasing because beyond the song, um, for me, it's the process of keeping keeping the idea of songwriting alive. That's just my primary concern, so however I do that. Um, I do it and so that's just developed over the years until we basically um, we well, just we write, like we just write together the songs too. together uh, we always used to sit at sound checks and play I yeah. mean that, that was Im- immediately in- apparent that you were somebody who really just liked to sit and play and stuff yeah. like that and we would just sit and play so I, I, I didn't have that relationship with say Blixer or Mick really the work was already done usually not always but usually uh, the, the basic work of writing the song was done before um, they they got involved. I mean, the, I'm talking about the basics. They had a massive influence on how the songs actually. But you out. also had you also have a big input in that too. You always under underplay your thing in that, but you have a big influence on how the stuff appears as well. Yeah. Like you have a, a definite opinion of what you what you where you're heading. But then. Yeah. Oh, but then I think it was actually around the time of. No, it was it was actually I think definitely for me it was around the time of of, uh, when we did the proposition that we started working in a really different way, like that we 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 could make other sorts of music together, and that then that just developed quickly into something else. um, That I I think there was a certain. relief for you because it wasn't lyrical right that you could just sit and make music yeah. and you know like an I, absolute, I don't have a lyrical it's an absolute jag. joy for me to go in the studio and work in that way with Warren because you know I mean it's not uh, it's not about me you know it's not about the, the lyrics and the lyrics seem to always be trying to work out where I am in, with my relationship to the world and all of this sort of stuff and that, and that can be kind of there's a certain amount of anxiety in that but just to sit and make music with Warren is um, you know it's an incredible pleasure and 
You know, I mean, a lot of the time I just get to sit back and watch him do his thing, and, yeah. and that's um, that's really uh, and I extraordinary. Don't, I don't have like a, a, a I've, the lyrical thing has never been a, a thing for me. Like I don't, I've, I've never been following anything like that. You know, and actually, for me, the the the, the really important thing musically is that it goes somewhere with anything that I do I really want that to happen like if there's any thing that I do creatively in my life it is that that that's where I maybe come close to feeling what it's like to to develop creatively is within that because it's not a it's not a, a writing thing or anything like that for me it's really in that moment of where music is taking shape and where where sounds are taking shape like that's where I really but, get that kind of kick. But, you know, I think for me, songwriting is li- basically lyric writing. You know, when I say, look, I'm going into songwriting, mo- when I'm going into songwriting mode, it means I'm sitting around and writing lyrics as far, for me. And um, so to have some of that, the kind of burden of actually writing the music and stuff like that taken away is great for me. I want to, you, you've touched on a number of things there, including your relationship to music itself, the actual writing of, of, of music, of melody, but I think both of you have a very long and interesting relationship with noise, with texture, and particularly I was struck watching the show last night by, by Warren, just what kinds of sounds you were conjuring from your setup. Well, exactly. It's just remarkable. I mean, you have this foundation of beautiful music, and then you have this discord, and again, I think this goes back to your work in the birthday party as well. Can you talk? It's almost an intimate romantic relationship with noise, I think. And few people can really have that. Like, I've seen, few, I've seen lots of artists try to do this. But like I say, there's a beauty to how you relate to noise. Can, can, you, can, can you talk I, about can that? Can I say something about that very quickly? Sure. That, that it's actually not, it's not my business to be talking about that. But it's because Warren is actually doing that stuff. But... Um, I kind of know where you're coming from because I have no idea myself what that stuff is that's coming out or how those sounds have been made. You know, they're all... So it's quite mysterious for me as well and and um, and they form the basis of, of the uh, scores a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, that's... I, I know exactly what you mean because I... I see it as an outsider in a way it's quite extraordinary but well i, I mean i i, I have that, that relationship too with it as well in that it, it seems to be uh, something that's constantly mysterious like it's all there's always something I, and when it feels like if it feels unfamiliar then it feels it feels like the right thing to be doing i've always uh, you know like once you get a, a drum and a guitar and a bass together it does a certain thing and that's really beautiful but we know what that does so how can we move things away from it and I think that's what we've been trying to do I think uh, a process, over a, process, a period of a couple of years starting with the scores I guess to work out how to kind of like break up that section of the music and you know I think again Nick he's sort of under it's what he's saying that but there's there's something about the way Nick can help to shape these things coming in because a lot of the time you know like we really don't know what's going on um, like with the last album we didn't really know what was going on we, we wanted to try and make something but we didn't really know and it, it just sort of appeared this this thing and, and I think that's where it, it feels like that's when it feels like that we're doing the right thing because it feels it feels like unfamiliar to me and unknown and I 
you know, I'm, I'm a classical violinist. I mean, I was very early on, but with, I, I didn't really have much talent for it. But I was playing like a violin, you know, in, in a rock band, which I never thought would happen. Um, and then I quickly didn't want to be playing a violin line. I didn't like the way it was used in music. So then, you know, I, I got a loop pedal and stuff like that. Mick Turner lent me his one day, and, and it immediately opened this world where I didn't know what was going on. And I could make these things that I didn't know what they were, and they, and they, they felt like just things that fell out of the sky in a way, you know. And, um, like, I didn't know what they were. So, I mean, I guess it's as mysterious to me too. Well, Nick said something about how his songwriting and lyric writing is him trying to make sense of the world. I some, when I hear these textures, because I think we, we find ambient music very mysterious and confusing. We find distortion kind of confusing. But to me, when I was watching the show, I'm like, that's the sound of the world. That's kind of the sound of the outside world, that rumble. And I wonder if maybe subconsciously that's some way of grappling with what the world is all about, of trying to bring, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't really know, but it sounds like a nice idea. Yeah, I just thought I'd try um, to write some poetry yeah. during the interview. Yeah, I'll throw that in. Nick, does the noise uh, that Warren conjures, does it inform your lyric writing, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah, give us a... <laughs> Let's pass yeah, the no, mic it game. totally does, because... Um, it's it's a special kind of sound, and it's it's an organic sound. Maybe that's what you're talking yeah, I about. I think so. It yeah. sounds like it comes out of uh, nature. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. His, uh, Warren's music, uh, at least his loops sound like they come out of nature yeah. as opposed to uh, syn synthetic. I mean, you play the synthesizer more these days, but um, that's, that's a different thing too. And, and my lyrics uh, feel like they're about that too, that they come out of nature in some kind of way. So Probably more so these days. It feels yeah, I mean, like they, they really there's, there's always been a... And that kind of element to them, really. But but anyway, um, so that they uh, Warren only has to click on a loop, and an instant atmosphere is there. There's a sort of spell that's cast from uh, you know just clicking on the pedal, and so everything you sing just sounds great. It also uh, allows um, a much looser kind of lyric because the lyric. Doesn't have to be so considered the lyric. That's what I liked about what, what we like about Skeleton Tree. Yeah. A lot of that isn't lyrically as polished as I would normally do. Yeah. Songs like I Need You and I mean any of them really, um, Rings of Satin and stuff like that are, are pretty much um, improvised lyrics. 
stuff that I would normally have not allowed through um, because my, my songs always have to mean something to me on the page. And uh, but we we kind of got rid of the page in, in uh, For got that rid one, of the yeah. page on this record. Yeah. So so it's That's more true. just extemporized and. That that was really important. But so the, yeah. they, so the words just sounded good. Yeah. They sounded like they meant something, um, and they did mean something. But it wasn't a, a kind of it, it was something that was directly coming out of the heart rather than um, the brain, I guess. That was definitely a promise that was thrown down on "Push the Sky Away." That there was yeah. an element of that that happened in that, and then you went away and worked on it, and there yeah. was an element of that, and it was something about that that record that it hinted at that was really kind of it felt kind of quite new um but just just to to say what something that was that what nick is saying there is when i first met nick and and he asked me to play with him he didn't even ask me to play like asked me to come in and record and a couple of years later he's like if you know if you want to be in the band you can there was never a discussion about that, but the one thing he did say to me early on was like, just like do whatever you want, just go for it. And for me, you know, like having watched, you know, Nick from afar, for someone to give me that kind of, I guess, permission in a way was incredibly kind of liberating and, and made me kind of really stretch, you know. Like when I bought a mandolin, Nick didn't say like, you know, burn it for firewood. It was like, wow, what an inspired choice. Yeah. You know, and he's always I thought kind of, it. He thought it. He's but he's always he's always like pushed me to kind of go like and when it goes too far, it's kind of great and you know it. But he's always kind of pushed, and I think there's that that thing that goes on when we do the score work. That well, it goes either way. Yeah, goes, there's that thing. There's that me. pushing and pulling that goes on between us, like that you kind of want to take it as far as you can. Uh, and I think that's while that's happening, the the the, the relationship. F- feels creative and, and, and feels relevant and that's all that, that I've ever really cared about that, that it does feel relevant you know like I like to feel at the end of the day when we've done something that like I stand by this you know like um, and you know like in the last album you know there, there, there was some some you know like I think a couple of the track one in particular is, is one of the most sort of marvelous experiences I've ever had in the studio, where it really felt like some kind of miracle had happened, just watching something appear in front of us, which I think came about from the approach, the way that that, that, that album was approached. I noticed there was a particular emphasis on "Push This Guy Away" last night. Are, are the sets changing each night, or was there something about "Push This Guy Away" that resonated for that particular show? Because I, like I say, I just I noticed that it was really. I don't know. Was there some reason? Yeah. Well, there was only a couple of songs. We played every song off Skeleton Tree, Um, but I think also too that that that, yeah, they're really really great to play. And that that tour we did for the record, some of those songs like Higgs Boson and Jubilee Street, they really became something else. Like they and they continue to evolve. Like Jubilee Street sounded like kind of terrifying last night. It was really. Last night, yeah, it was great. It was, re- it was fantastic. It was really something, you know. Else, and yeah, it's like, it goes back to that thing. It's that songs can just keep doing that live. Uh, certain songs do that. It's great to have recent songs that have started to do that. Yeah, um, that's really fantastic. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not like we're forcing those songs onto people. They no. want. They want to hear them. And Jubilee Street is 
bizarrely a kind of old standard, you know. Right. Even though it's yeah. a new song, it's and treated like a stand, you know, standard. Yeah, um, those two songs actually have a yeah. and push the sky away too. It's in, uh, yeah. That very early on, that song was really greeted with a kind of. It seemed people like acknowledge that it was actually quite a big song as well. Um, yeah, well, it was magical last night. I don't want to give too much away, but just uh, just the way you entered the crowd and to see you in the center of Massey Hall. I mean, I'm never going to forget that. And I don't think it's amazing watching that on stage when that happens to see that when you're sitting on stage and you see that because it's a very different dynamic that happens suddenly to see where you're actually watching something. Which is which is fabulous being in the band watching that because suddenly you're watching the audience and Nick. Nick, how does that feel out there? Is it you're um, vulnerable, but vulnerable, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of it's, it's quite different. Those sort of that sort of behaviour. I mean, I've been going into the audience for years. Um, yeah, most of my career actually, but. For different reasons, and <laughs> this just felt um, different purposes. <laughs> different purposes. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, more more so in the past. I think to intimidate and and to to terrify and to 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 waken people up and stuff like that. You know, um, but this just feels more like um, I don't know. Look, uh, I feel like I'm getting a huge amount from the audience. I, I feel like I'm really. Uh, it's a very, um, I don't know what the word is really, but it's, it's a very healing kind of thing for me, um, what's been going on with the, the, um, the concerts. I mean, it's really um, quite extraordinary. So, Do you feel like you uh, need that more than you used to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, just, it's... Uh, it's you know, I, don't, I actually don't really like talking about it too much because it, it's sort of... Um, it's quite a mysterious sort of yeah. thing that's happening, and it's it's a natural thing. And There's something quite ecstatic, isn't there? Yeah. That's going on. It's, we, um, it's really ecstatic. There's something almost like kind of trance-like or something that's yeah. going on. Like it's really, you can. There's something. I mean, it's it feels really different. It, you know, I've been playing with Nick 20 years. There's something quite different that's happening. Um, it's been building up, but there's something for this sort of this year that's been really it's been building, but it's. There's something. Yeah, it's yeah. changed. It's really changed. It's I, f- I feel like you're invoking humanity quite a bit uh, when you do this. And before yeah. you arrived, Nick, yeah. Warren and I were talking about uh, Trump, and we were talking about Jesus, the- Warren. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we were talking specifically about the Paris Climate Accord and how he was trying to get us out of here. I mean, you guys, I, where are you both living right now? Uh, France, Paris. I live in um, Brighton at the moment. Right. So. I, I hear you might be relocating to North America. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I really... That was one day I'd had maybe too many coffees and I'd, I'd uh, decided that I, I kind of planned a new life for myself. And um, so, so I'm not really sure about that, to be honest. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, it feels like from where we're sitting, the whole world is talking about North America, is talking about specifically the United States. I wonder... What it's like for you to actually be? I mean, for, for me, I, for me, the the um, the lead up, the the lead up to the you know the election, the the election and the election, and seemed to take up. I mean, we were talking about this, Warren, but it, it took up so much psychic 
space to be constantly looking at the internet and constantly seeing what happened and everything was shifting and changing uh, and it continues to be a bit like that for me um, I've felt a real need to retreat or retract or something like that and go back to, to doing um, other things because I, I just felt it was just taking up all my my attention and was and was kind of making me ill um, and I find that now to just to be able to read and to read a lot of poetry and stuff like that is um, is somehow um, very helpful to me. Um, I know it's not uh, the way we should be behaving, but I, I felt I felt that um, that's been a natural reaction to, to things for me. So that that's good for uh, songwriting. Warren, are you um, feeling more optimistic about the election results in France? Oh, well, I, I was glad that Macron got in and not Le Pen, so that would seem like a, a step forward. But beyond that, I don't know. But I definitely was relieved that, that uh, it, it felt like that they'd taken a step at least in the right direction and, and, and stopped this kind of run that seemed to be happening around the world. So that, that was, of course, some relief. But beyond that, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. You've just uh, scored a, a Brad Pitt film. Uh, or rather, you scored it a while ago, I presume. The film just came out. Can you talk a little bit about... Oh, the, the War, Machine. War Machine. You just worked on... Oh, Scored. Scored, oh. sorry. Did, did, you think, did you think I said scorned? I thought you said scored, like... Received something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I wonder if you can talk a bit about your process on, on that film and in terms of coming up with the soundtrack as it might relate to... I mean, you've been making these... Uh, collaborating on uh, these soundtracks before. I mean, before. War Machine was basically um, the, the um, David Michaud wanted, wanted a an electronic score, basically, to fit in with certain electronic pieces sources of that, that he that, had. That yeah. he already had in there. He's a very particular so kind of that that one angle. For, for, um, we have another beautiful one coming out called Wind River, which is the trilogy, the final part in the trilogy by Taylor Sheridan, who did Sicario and Hello High Water. And he has written and directed Hello High Water and, and um, we've done a very different score to that sort of somewhere between Jesse James and the proposition, uh, the kind of with some big simple themes, choral and Nick speaking and strings and stuff. And It's a very different affair to uh, War Machine. Do you, do you two work on your own? Do you invite collaboration from the filmmakers or the screenwriters or anything or do you, yeah. do you say leave me alone no, we do we, we, yeah. um, it's we, great when they come in we, we like having them in the, the, David the, the, was the phenomenal. directors in the studio with David us. Michaud was so fantastic what he's visually musically what he thought and moving things that was a real lesson that was a real like, like great really really great watching yeah he's a muso right yeah he was amazing actually he was like so articulate and, and you could explain why he wanted things to do certain things and uh, that was a great experience with him did he modify anything you had done sure yeah totally yeah he was fantastic I can imagine it might be intimidating asking you two to do something no, you don't want to do he's, a, he's a, an Australian guy he's a no bullshit kind of character and he, he's just like you know I think um, early on in the in the film process, it probably wasn't intimidating, but it was probably because we didn't we were also like on very new ground and 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 come from very different backgrounds. And I think actually, 
the really healthy thing I see coming from the score work is that it threw us onto a new kind of terrain, a much more like we were in the unknown with it and not like in a, in, in from the rock and roll area where you kind of just bash your way through and you, you do your own thing on your own terms. And the film world sort of asks you to kind of be engaging with people and yeah. listen to people for better or worse. And I think that actually took away a lot of that that element and people don't come in intimidated in, in a way I don't think. Like maybe some do, but there's an idea that you're trying to work together and, and I find that really great. There's a more neutrality, a neutral zone uh, about that and that really leads to a better... Um, uh, a better collaboration. Well, to wrap this up, I mean, we've talked a lot about what the songs have become on this tour from the Skeleton Tree. You've talked a lot about the kind of spiritual energy, if you will, that you're getting back. I assume all of this might be informing your creativity right now. Do you have a sense of where you're going next? I mean, Warren, you mentioned a couple of other projects coming up, but what's next for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds as well? Um, what is the, what is next? Uh, look, I, I want to make another record as soon as possible, basically. Um, so at the moment, I'm just um, writing lyrics, basically. It feels trying like to stay away from the internet. It feels um, like these the last two albums have suggest a third, uh, an, another way to go. It feels like that. They, the last thing always suggests something, and it feel it it feels like that. There's another step or something it feels like that's kind of uh, also it feels this tour suddenly the, the there's been a, a big shift in the way the band sounds the way, because the, the, the you know we have we're in this kind of great position where the the older material sits really well with this with this newer thing that we've got going on and it's such a dynamic set now and it, it's really far-reaching it feels and and also people have embraced this sort of new thing that's going on which is so encouraging for us you know that that we can sort of move around like that so and it feels like we could take it somewhere else again you know so that it's kind of that will surprise everybody and 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 us too um and hopefully lead to this even more evolving live sound and stuff the last time Nick, you and I spoke was we were talking about the death of Bunny Monroe at a, the Hyatt over here. We were in a restaurant. I knew I'd met you before. We met once before, yeah. yeah. I have longer, longer grayer hair. Now? I have two, yeah, I have two kids. I'm tired all the time. It's, uh, it's just like... Beautiful hair. Oh, thank you. Lovely, you got a lo- lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're, very, is, you're, you're lucky. I was just fishing for hair compliments, <laughs> frankly. But, uh, well, it's it's, it's, a, it's a, work, a work of art. I appreciate this. I wasn't really fishing, but I, I was actually curious if you had contemplated further literary pursuits at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have, I have um, a kind of idea... Oh, something yeah? that that um, I don't it wouldn't do me any yeah, sure. favors to talk about, um, but yeah. Okay, good. I like the notion that you might be writing another book because the I last don't know one, if it's a book. Oh, I saying. didn't mean to put words in your mouth. Damn I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a book, but you have an idea. Yeah. Of something. Uh, right. I have a um, yeah. <laughs> I have a way. I have an idea of a way I would like to sort of communicate. Okay. That isn't necessarily a, a record. I don't know. 
I'm not going any further. Are you communicating in that way with me right now? I because am, I'm yeah. a little unclear about yeah. what <laughs> you're telling me. Uh, Nick, uh, Warren, this was a, a tremendous pleasure. I uh, was hoping we could go out on a, a song, maybe from Skeleton Tree. Is there something you would choose? Um, Magneto. Why did that come to mind? It's, I just think it's an amazing song. You want to elaborate? Only that um, it, it hap- that I think that song happened under particularly mysterious circumstances, um, right? So we didn't. So closest. Uh, I sang that to a piece of music that I hadn't heard before, and it's the original take. So um, everything's like one take. But it's Nick one hadn't take. Heard the music. So I was out with a friend having. Uh, some food or something and I came back in and that was playing and I heard that for 15 seconds and thought I can sing to that and uh, and sang Magneto those words that I had floating around um, and they just sat within the song in a very very beautiful um, way and that's the take basically wow and then we then we kind of filed it away and didn't think anymore about it and kind of uh found it later on and we're like whoa this is kind of amazing again i don't mean to flatter you there's magic i I don't know what it is no it's something going on here and i i in that song no i think here oh yeah and with me with my hair and us three right now this is magical and we should form a band the the hair (laughs) i can play some music it's true all right well nick warren thank you so much for this and uh best of luck with everything thank you see you all thank you that found in rabid blood and I spun on my wheel like a laboratory rat There was an electrical storm on the bathroom floor clutching the ball Blood was full of gags and other people's diseases My monstrous little memory had swallowed me whole It was the year I officially became the bride of Jesus In love, in love, in love you laugh Love, you move, I move, and one more time with feeling. Love, you love, I love, you love. 
saw you in half And the stars are splashed across the ceiling Somebody was basically overwhelming Had such hard blues down there in the supermarket queues I had a sudden urge to become someone Someone like you Who started out with less than anyone I In love, in love, I love you, love, I love you, love, I move, you move, and one more time with feeling. I love you, love, I love you, love, I'm sawn in heart, and all the stars are splashed across the ceiling. of my blood and then swim and in the bathroom mirror I see me vomit in the sink and all through the house we hear the hyenas hymns of love I love you love I love you, love, I love you, love, I move, I move, you move, and one more time with feeling. I love you, love, I love you, love, we saw each other in heart, and all the stars are splashed and splattered across the ceiling. From their wondrous and acclaimed album Skeleton Tree, which came out in the fall of 2016, that was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with the haunting, gorgeous Magneto. Can you believe that was basically one take? One vocal take? One music? That's... Wow. I'm blown away. Just hearing them talk about that and then hearing the song again. Amazing. And I, I can't thank Nick and Warren enough for being on this program and speaking with me at great length. And, and also thanks to Rebecca Webster for setting this whole thing up. It would not have happened without her. And thanks uh, to my wife, too, for not going on her business trip. A whole chain of events occurred because of people. Thank you, people. People 
they are good, I would say, at this point in the show. For more information about Nick Cave, go to nickcave.com and go see Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds on tour. They're putting on incredible shows. I saw two of them, so I, I have two to compare. They were both fantastic. I This was a thrill. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Warren. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Well, I actually have more to say. This is the 323rd episode of the Creative Control Podcast with your host, me, Vish. The podcast is available on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and all your finer podcast platforms. Also, every single episode and more information about the show available on my website, vishkana.com. You can also go to patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to the program. We are so grateful. When I say we, I mean me. I am so grateful that you do this, that I have some t-shirts that I had manufactured. And if you donate to the show, a pledge to the show, I will send you a t-shirt. That is my pledge to you. So consider that. Patreon.com slash creative control. Also, like the page on Facebook, like the show on Facebook. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Vish Creative. You can follow me, at Vish Khanna. And know a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or if you're in the area, 93.3 FM on your radio dial. That's CFRU, 250 watts of community power. Speaking of the community, this show would not be possible without our sponsors, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero. Call them for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. Also, The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. And for the best coffee in the world, it's in Guelph. Did you know that? You probably figured that by this point. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. Visit planetbeancoffee.com for more information about them. Well, that's the show. Again, if you can subscribe to the podcast and download episodes and share them with your friends and tell them about the show, that would be great. That's greatly appreciated. Please do that. It's on like all the things, iTunes, it's everywhere. So do that. And otherwise, that's it for this episode. Again, a huge honor and thrill for me to have Nick and Warren on this one. There's more episodes to come. There's more episodes behind me. Check them out. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.